The following message is from Bear Creek Church. More information about BCC is available at bearcreekchurch.org. Don't you all just want to hug a Phelps right now? (laughs) I've got one here. There are others scattered around the room. I think Fred needs it worse. (laughs) Is Devin back there? Behind the curtain? Oh, she's back there. We want to pray. Best thing to do right now is pray. Father, thank you for the way that these fellows have put Devin's long and hard and wonderful story in the video in just nine minutes. We pray that you would use this as you, she prays you would use her life to bring glory and honor to you. As she said, if I am living faithfully, my life will bring glory to him. What a great message. How to preach in her life, to tell the story of what you're doing in her. Use that story, we pray, for your glorification. name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, we can't um, pray too much, so um, I was going to begin with a prayer. Let's, uh, let's pray again together. God, you are our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Father, we celebrate your goodness, your faithfulness, your great mercy, and the hope that we have in you. Thank you for this church family, for the various gifts and talents that you've given, for their love for one another. May our time spent this morning bring glory to you, putting you on display as faithful and good, reassuring your people of the absolute and certain hope we have in you. Help each of us to to see your hand of providence at work in our lives, custom designing each, each circumstance for our growing faith and joy in you for the sake of your glory. Amen. Well, watching that video makes me so thankful to God that he doesn't, that he hadn't heard my prayers of the past and done what I asked. Of course, I wish things were, were different, some things different, but I know deep within my heart that God's perfect wisdom In his wisdom, he has done all things well. From today's perspective, I can see that his sovereign plan is infinitely greater than the health, wealth, comfort, 
that I've prayed for over the years. If God had done what I had asked, Devin wouldn't have the same experiential depth of confidence in God. Brenna wouldn't know just how much she truly needs Jesus, especially now as a mom. And I don't think Jen and I would trust the Lord in the way that we do now, knowing that God is faithful, knowing that he is good, no matter what. God is not faithful and good because of our circumstances and the outcomes that we like. No, he is faithful and good, period. No matter what we experience. That's the the phrase that stood out to me from Jen. That God has proven himself over and over and over again to be faithful, no matter what. And that no matter what is said with the reasonable expectation that there's going to be more hard things to come. And I don't say that to be pessimistic, but just knowing the realities of life And yet, with a greater confidence that God will give us the grace that we need in that moment, just like he will with you, no matter what, God has proven himself to be faithful and good. Not good in that he's given us what we've asked for, but good in giving us what we know to be best. And there are a few sermons in that video, and it brings to mind a few passages of Scripture that have really ingrained themselves into the the hearts and minds of my family in really my ministry as as a pastor. So instead of continuing uh, in the Gospel of John, I'm just going to quickly consider some of those verses that, that come to mind, praying that they will encourage and strengthen your faith. Uh, But I do have one thing to say concerning John, the Gospel of John, last week's message in particular. There is a connection, there's a wonderful connection. When I think back over, um, think of that video and think back over our lives, we in our various fearful times in the hospital, we experienced the love of Christ in really tangible Ways the love of Jesus through you, through his body, through the church, loving us in sacrificial ways. And what was so awesome about that is that it did exactly what Jesus said it would do, that it would be a witness to the world. And we over and over and over again, up in the hospital would hear doctors and nurses and all the various workers and people that we come into contact, it stood out to them. They're like, wow, you're really loved and supported in ways that we don't normally see. And so I I think that brought a lot of glory to Jesus, that we love one another. So I see how that worked out. Our love for one another has purpose. It points to the ultimate love of Jesus. 
And it's a way in which the love of Jesus continues to you, to me, to this day. Because it, that love just felt like the love of Jesus. It was the love of Jesus in the moment. So I love how, also how the video ends. Quoting Devin as saying, as long as I'm living faithfully, my life will glorify God. That's all that matters. So good. And I know that she said that in response to those ideas where people would talk about her doing something big for God. Meaning doing something public, being a speaker, being a writer, something big. And it reminded me of my own, Jen and, Jen and my own realization years ago that I've told you about when uh, Lindsay died and well-meaning friends wanted to give purpose to her death, saying that maybe someone would come to Christ or maybe we'd be able to minister to people who would experience similar loss. And as nice as those things might be, our realization was, no, the ultimate purpose in her death was that we have an opportunity to glorify God. As we simply continue to love and to praise the Lord instead of, instead of being disillusioned with our faith and maybe even angry at God. That ongoing living response communicates to others that God is our greatest treasure. No matter what. This kind of response is that big thing. For God. Can there be anything greater than glorifying God? Nothing more important, nothing more significant than people looking through your life. Remember, being like a telescope that points to God, people looking through your life and seeing how magnificent, how great, how awesome God is. I think this was Devin's realization as well. Living faithfully, trusting the Lord, loving Him in the midst of life's circumstances. This communicates that God is greater than anything else. It glorifies Him. And this is why we exist. If God gives um, maybe a bigger platform to glorify Him, that's great. But he is also maybe even more clearly seen just in faithfully living, trusting in the ordinary activities of life. Cleaning the house, making meals, changing diapers, helping a friend with a project, having an occupation that maybe isn't fulfilling, but it, puts, it provides for the family. Caring for your aging parents, caring for a child with a, affected by a disability, serving and using your gifts in the church. All of these things are hugely significant because they are done for the glory of God. Nothing big in the eyes of men, but when they're done to glorify God, they are more significant, more valuable and lasting than the big and public activities of a self-sufficient superstar that millions of people admire. They last. 
they mean something. The verse that comes to mind is 1 Corinthians 10.31, which says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I love that verse. God is sovereign over your platform. He's sovereign over your ability to point others to his greatness. And if a, if a person can eat and drink to the glory of God, then all of the ordinary mundane parts of life take on an eternal significance. Having a meal and giving thanks to God who provided it. Enjoying the pleasures of taste. God is recognizing God as the creator of food and pleasure glorifies him. Every enjoyment of life that is not sinful is an opportunity for you to praise God. You exist for this. There's purpose in this. A life of faithful obedience and worship of God has the highest possible value. Because nothing in this world compares. Nothing else comes close to his greatness. I hope you see this. Because recognizing purpose in all of life should lead us, should lead you to a sense of satisfaction and contentment. We are such a discontent society. But if you recognize all of life, eating and drinking can be done to the glory of God. <laughs> Takes on great meaning. The satisfaction is not, is not in the stuff. It's not in the fame or the platform or the career. It's not in health or wealth. It's not even in marriage or having kids. There is no gift of God that replaces the satisfaction of God himself. And the gifts that he gives are not intended to be the end focus of your satisfaction. God doesn't want you to be just a foodie. He wants you to think of him when you eat. And how remarkable it is that you have enjoyment in it. Every gift should draw our attention and praise to the giver. They're meant to point to him. And he knows what gifts to give each of his children. What will be good for us? What will be best? God is the one who writes our stories. He's the one intending all things in our lives. With perfect knowledge of who we are and perfect wisdom of what's best, he's the one custom designing our lives. And this isn't to say that you shouldn't strive and pursue many things in life. But if, if they don't come, and if you only have what you have, can you glorify God? The person who can't even speak or communicate but only eats and drinks can glorify God. And that life will be infinitely more significant than the unbelieving motivational speaker or author or billionaire philanthropist when the God of all creation says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over 
a few things. We exist to glorify God. And if you live faithfully and trust Him and love Him, no matter what happens in your life, your life will glorify God. And that's really all that matters. Another passage of Scripture that comes to mind is Psalm 84. Verses 10 through 12 say, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. We sang to this end earlier. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. As long as you're living faithfully, your life will glorify God. And that's all that matters. And you can trust that in this life, as you walk with the Lord, there's a sense, of, there's a sense in which everything really is good. Because God does not withhold good from you. His timing, your various experiences, whether you get what you want or not, what, what you must come back to is that God isn't keeping something good from you. Think about that. What you must come back to, if God withholds no good thing from you, you should never think that God is keeping something good from you. It may be good for someone else, but you're you. He knows you. He promises good for you. He withholds no good thing from you. And we must not accuse him otherwise. The Christian who says, my life stinks, is really making an accusation against God. We may not like the consequences uh, maybe of our sin, but even in that we recognize that God is a loving Father who disciplines His children out of love. No good thing does He withhold from you. Live faithfully. Trust His knowledge of you. And his wisdom to give you what will ultimately be good for you. He knows better than you. So trust him with the timing and the outcome. And God's word says that the one who trusts God is blessed, is happy, is reassured with a gladness that God is giving you what will lead to your highest joy. After all, do we really believe Romans 8.28? Do we really believe that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose? So maybe our biggest challenge in this is our definitions. Ask yourself, what is my definition of good? Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines it this way. The advancement... As a noun, the advancement of prosperity or well-being. Something useful or beneficial. Praiseworthy character. 
Is God working all things, every single circumstance in your life to advance your well-being? Yes, He is. And as a Christian, we should believe that our well-being is our godliness. The most useful and beneficial thing for us is is a godly, Christ-like character that's praiseworthy. But here's the problem. We think we know what will be good for us. We think our health, our wealth, our success in a particular area of life will be good for us. And the problem is we assume it won't ruin us. We assume it won't ruin us and take us down a path away from God. <laughs> Jen and I have reflected over the years. You know, we had certain ideas on, on um, uh, the house we live in is the house that we built 33 years ago to be a spec house. Thinking that we would, you know, do the real estate. And, it never ha- and we've reflected over the years and just thought, you know, maybe a lot of money just wouldn't be good for us. I think God knows what he's doing. What's good for some is not good for others. Most of us grow in our dependence on God through various pressures that that reveal that we need Him. So what's often good for us is a trial, a kind of suffering that drives us to the Lord for help. And not that we want it, but in the midst of it or reflecting back on it, we can see the goodness of God. So the closer we are to God, the better. As Brenna said in the video, if I hadn't experienced this suffering, I would not see my need for Jesus. And seeing your need for Jesus, oh, is good. John Piper famously tweeted, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. So have confidence in God. He is so much bigger than you think. Have confidence in God, his goodness toward you, and that he truly is working all things, 9,997 things that you're unaware of for your good. He knows infinitely better what is good for you. His knowledge is perfect. His wisdom is perfect. His power is perfect. And so why would we presume to think we know what's good for us? Yes, we should pray. We should ask God for many things in life. We should cast all our anxieties on him. And we should work and we should move in directions in life that seem wise. But then we rest assured that God is working for our good. And he, he withholds no good thing from us. And if he determines to give you something painful, here's another passage that comes to mind. Lamentations 3, which says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies 
never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wait for him. Seek after him. Hope in him. These sufferings of life hurt, but they bring about good results when we hope in God, when we know that his love never ceases. There are new mercies to come. Sometimes in the middle of a hard circumstance, you just think this is the end and there's nothing ever good that's coming. No, there are new mercies every morning, new mercies to come. But ultimately, it's a mercy that we even have God at all. That we have him as our portion. The giver is better than the gifts. If we think of it, if you, if you long for heaven where you're reunited with loved ones and everything is made right and there are no more tears and God is not there, would it be heaven? The Lord is my portion. He's all that we need. He alone is more than enough to satisfy you forever. These afflictions of life cause us to realize this ultimate truth more and more. But oh, how sweet. How sweet when the God who is our portion mercifully gives us healing and relief. Sometimes, sometimes God surprises us. Sometimes he surprises us with gifts that we did not expect and Devon's healing is one that I never want to forget. Don't want to ever take it for granted. Ask any doctor if they've ever heard of kidneys coming back from complete renal failure after three and a half years. And unless they know Devon, they'll tell you no. They've never heard of it. Maybe three months Six months at the longest. But for Devon to regain, regain the use of her kidneys after three and a half years of dialysis is nothing short of miraculous. It's merciful. It's an intervention of God. He is good, no matter what. And certainly he is good and worthy of our praise in this miraculous healing. But again, no matter what, our confidence is ultimately in God. And sometimes he chooses to heal and sometimes he doesn't. And we've experienced both. And both circumstances, it's our testimony that God is good. Another passage I think of is Philippians 4, 12 through 13. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Probably one of the most misused verses in all of scripture is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
let's face it, I'm 55 years old and much diminished in my jumping abilities and hand-eye coordination. And as much as I want to play professional basketball, I cannot. (laughs) Thank you, Brad. It's not about believing the impossible and claiming it for myself. No, there are many things that I cannot do, that you cannot do. But what Paul had in mind, what he actually means is that I can face anything in life when I've learned the secret of trusting the Lord, of being content in the knowledge that he is sovereign, that he's doing 10,000 things at any moment in my life, and he promises He promises to give me what's eternally and ultimately good. When we know that, we can face anything. Being confident of this enables us to to have plenty or to be in want. To have seasons of comfort and pain. Yes, because of God's past faithfulness in my life and his promises to To us, we can do all things. We can face anything. Not because because we're strong in and of ourselves, but because we know that God strengthens us and gives us the grace in the moment when we need it. And to be honest, I don't want any more pain. I don't want any more suffering. I don't want any more death. But I know that as God strengthened us in the past, he's going to give us the grace to endure anything in the future. And likely, those things are coming. Lastly, I've grown to love 2 Corinthians 4. Verses 16 through 18 are so encouraging to those of us with diminished jumping abilities. But ultimately, what an encouragement to know that there is an eternal consequence in our earthly sufferings. These sufferings are somehow resulting in a weight of glory. And we will not be disappointed. We will no longer wonder why. It reads, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want you to really think, really concentrate here. If things just randomly happen to us and God tries to make something good of it, to do his best, then is there really any purpose in the first place? Is there really any purpose in your suffering? Aren't they just happening outside of God's control? And if this were so, 
if God's not behind your sufferings with a, with a good purpose in mind, if they're just randomly happening, if this were so, then wouldn't we define good as God fixing our problems? Fixing our sufferings? Making us comfortable? And if this were so, he fails a lot. He fails all throughout our lives. He fails ultimately when we die. Is this who you think God is? I hope not. It's not who he is. If God is not only, if God is not sovereign over your sufferings, intending them for you so that you have opportunities to fulfill your reason for existence, glorifying God with your life and faithfully responding in the midst of your sufferings, then why would Paul say, so we do not lose heart? If God is not sovereign over your painful circumstances and there is no good intent, uh, intentions giving you these hard things, why wouldn't you be discouraged? Why wouldn't you lose heart? But since these afflictions are doing something good in us, since they are renewing our inner self, since they are preparing us for a weight of glory, now that's reason for not losing heart. That's reason to persevere through the suffering and to trust God in the midst of it and even to praise Him and to look forward to the good that He's working in you. Yes, these things hurt, but you can continue. You can continue and not lose heart because God is good and purposeful in what He's doing. Believe the promises of God. Instead of craving after the transient, the fading, the passing things of this life. Our hope is in God and the, the good that he's working in us for eternity. It's not an earthly remedy that we're after. Though when those mercies do come, we praise him for it. We give him thanks. Our family's circumstances didn't turn out like we originally wanted. But what's changed over the years, the work God intended all along, I think is summed up best by my wife, Jennifer. Get a quote, you, honey. Our trust in the Lord cannot be tied to a specific outcome. I trust the Lord because he is good. He has proven himself over and over and over again to be faithful no matter what. Let's pray. Oh God, you are ever faithful, always good. Your intentions are better and beyond our best expectations. And you never fail to accomplish your sovereign will.
Help us to not get so caught up in the now that we lose sight of what you promise us. Help us to cry out to you in the midst of our sorrows, to go to you, because you are our soul's portion. You are what we need. And in the midst of our sufferings, give us grace, Lord, to endure, not losing heart, trusting that you know what's best for each of your children. Oh, help us to see your mercies in the midst of trials, your good gifts in the ordinary parts of life. There's always something to give you thanks. There's always opportunities to glorify your name. So we give thanks for you are always faithful in Jesus. We praise you and we pray in his great name.